Can you believe it's been 42 days since Easter? It's been 42 days since we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, and it seems like time has flown by. I was going through a refrigerator, and uh, I found some leftovers from Easter. And I was just wondering, do you think it's safe to eat those things still? Just kidding. I, I actually threw them out on day 40 because that happens to be when our trash is collected. And uh, so all is well at the McLucas household. And, uh, speaking of 40, um, did you know that Jesus Christ, after he rose from the dead, he spent 40 days walking the face of the earth, interacting with folks of, of various types? If, if you've been here at all during um, the time since Easter or, or even been watching online, then you know about this because we've been talking about these different encounters Jesus had, the resurrected Jesus had with different folks. And we've seen how he interacted with a bunch of women and he interacted with his disciples and, and then many other people. And, and that it didn't end once he ascended into heaven after 40 days. Actually, the Apostle Paul wrote this. Um, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. It said, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, so that's Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500. Did you hear that? After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. In other words, they've died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So what we see, according to the Apostle Paul, was Jesus was really busy during those 40 days, and he was interacting with folks. And what we see happening here is just this um, transition taking place. It's um, this time that we're going to look at this morning between um, when Jesus ascended into heaven and the time that the Holy Spirit came. It's, it's this time where um, he was absent in body, but then he was present in spirit. Absent in the body, but present in the spirit. So we want to look at this transition time this morning. So to do that, we're going to be in Acts. Acts chapter 1, looking at verses 1 through 5. So if you have a church Bible you want to turn there, feel free. It's page 1077. You can follow along. It will also be on the screen. So it begins this way, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he's eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the author of the book of Acts is Luke. And Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. He had um, had his life completely changed by Jesus. And he hung out with the Apostle Paul and actually traveled around um, 
from country to country with Paul, starting new churches, talking about the good news of Jesus Christ with folks. He also had a lot of interaction with the early disciples. And so he's the author of this book. Now, you notice that he also said that this was his second book. So the first book he wrote was simply entitled Luke. Luke, or the Gospel of Luke. And so what he did in that book was to really record um, a lot of what Jesus taught and a lot of what Jesus did. So that was book one. And now book two, which is called Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, is really a continuation of that. Only this time it's recording what Jesus taught and what Jesus did, but not in bodily form, but through his Spirit and through his people. You see, this is the transition. He's still present, this time not in body, but he's present in spirit. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, um, it mentioned that this book, both of the books actually, if you go back and you read Luke, are, are written to Theophilus. Anybody know who Theophilus is? You're in good company because nobody knows who Theophilus is. Like I did some research. Nobody really has a good idea who Theophilus was. But this much we do know, his name means friend of God. Friend of God. And so if you consider yourself to be a friend of God, then consider that these two books were written just for you. They were written just for you if you were a friend of God. Now, um, Over that 40-day period, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And remember, first he appeared in Jerusalem because that's where he was crucified. And then he appeared to them in Galilee, along the Sea of Galilee. Remember those um, encounters? And then he's back in Jerusalem, back in Jerusalem. And he's gathered with them. And and Luke tells us, if you look at the end of of Luke, um, that the Holy Spirit was working already in their midst. And and the Holy Spirit was opening up the minds of his disciples, all those that he was gathered with, and they were beginning to understand the scriptures. All of a sudden, what they had read throughout their entire lives was beginning to make sense. And they were seeing how all all the, the laws and the prophecies found their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit was opening up their minds to the truth about God. And then if you look at verse 3, it it speaks about how Jesus was teaching them about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And we touched on this briefly a couple weeks ago, and we said this, the kingdom of God is experienced here on earth. It's experienced here on earth when we allow Jesus to rule and reign in our lives. So we can experience, like you remember the Lord's Prayer? Um, We can experience the kingdom of earth right here, Right now, when we allow Jesus to rule and reign in our lives. So he was teaching them about that. And then um, we we see that through all of that, he's teaching them that this is what they're called to be and to do. That they're called to be disciples who make disciples. And remember the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Those were Jesus' words to his disciples. Now, what all did he command? Well, I'm so thankful that Jesus knew he'd be speaking to people like like me and maybe some of you guys, and he just broke it down and made it really simple. Because if you try to keep track of all the hundreds of of laws and commands in the Old Testament, good luck. 
Like, you, you just couldn't do it, I don't think. But Jesus summed it up for us beautifully, and, and Matthew actually wrote it down in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. This is what he said. Um, again, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you want to know what Jesus taught, it boils down to that. Love God, everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's that simple. So he's given us this great commission to go and make disciples. He's given us this great commandment. Love God, love others. And if you notice, it's all outwardly focused. It's all outwardly focused. It's not inwardly focused. It's outwardly focused, and it's action-oriented. Outwardly focused, action-oriented. Look at the words in those. Go, make, teach, obey, and love. Outwardly focused, action-oriented. That's what he was about. Now, I don't know if you saw in verse 2, but he changed the way he was referring to his closest followers. Up to this point, he always referred to them as his disciples. But did you notice that it changes here? And he refers to them as apostles. Apostles. So what are apostles? What's the difference? Well, apostles, the simple definition means sent ones. So apostles are sent ones. Do you see how this ties into the Great Commission to go? You are the sent ones. You are my apostles. And that's what he's, he's referring to and how he's calling his closest followers. Now, um, right before he gets ready to ascend into heaven, he gives one last command to his disciples or his apostles there. Listen to this again in verse 4. On one occasion while he's eating with them, now I think that's significant. We've been talking about the importance of eating together. We talked about how we're called to bless others, how we begin with prayer. That's the B. We listen with care. That's the L. And then we what? Eat together. There's a lot that takes place when you eat together, isn't there? It's a great way to build relationships and to share knowledge and information. That's where most of, of our um, interactions really at, at any level of depth seem to happen. And it's during the breaking of bread, the eating together. So that's what's going on. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Wait. So up into this point, like everything's about go, right? Go, go, go. It's all outwardly focused. It's action-oriented. Go, go, go. And, and I sort of picture the scene. So all the disciples are with Jesus, and they're in this room and behind locked doors, and they're gathered together um, in the midst of this, this city, Jerusalem, and they're getting fired up, right? I mean, they have their marching orders. They got the game plan. They're getting excited. It, it reminds me, believe it or not, of a football game at Virginia Tech when you're in Lane Stadium and the team is about to come out the tunnel, right? And what 
happens next, but you hear this sound of Metallica and Enter Sandman. Have you ever experienced that? If you haven't, you are now. It's all right. You start to feel, right? Like, I'm getting goosebumps. I hate the Hokies. You know, and it just gets you going. I don't care who you are. That, that does something for you, doesn't it? I mean, it, it stirs within you. And I'm thinking that's like the disciples. And, and I got to tell you, even though I bang on the Hokies all the time, there is no better entrance in all of sports than that. Can, can we all agree? All right. You Hokies remember that. I have affirmed you this day. But I mean, I'm getting the sense, like they're behind closed doors and this is what's going on. And they are starting to jump, like the football team's jumping, if you've been to one of those games. And then the coaches are jumping and the fans are jumping. I think Jesus and the angels above are jumping when that song comes on. Like it just has that effect on you. And I think that's what was happening with Peter and all the other disciples. Like they are ready to go. They've got their game plan. They're ready to attack the city. And Jesus says, wait. Wait on what? What are they supposed to wait for? He says, I want you to wait just a few more days for the gift that my Father has promised you. And I've been telling you about this gift really for weeks and months and years. Jesus had been telling them about this promised gift. So what is this gift that he said they needed to wait for? Well, let's try and discover that together. One of the things that he mentioned, look at, look at verse 5. This is, this is what's interesting. He says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, but in a few days, few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, what in the world is Jesus talking about? You guys remember John? This is John, also known as John the Baptist. Well, he got his head chopped off a couple years earlier. His ministry came to an abrupt halt right then. What's John got to do with this? What about baptism? Well, let's unpack this together. So do you remember the message that John was preaching? It was a message of repentance, and he was calling people, specifically the Jewish peoples, to repent of their sins, of their selfishness, of the way that they have just turned their backs on God. To repent is to turn back and to face God to turn their lives over to them, to him rather. And um, as a result, if, if people's desire was for that and their hearts had been, been touched by that, then he said you should be baptized. And so baptism literally means to be immersed, to be overwhelmed. And what he was doing is he was baptizing people in water, Oftentimes in, in the River Jordan, they were immersed or overwhelmed. This was a sign of dying to their old ways, their old self. And then they were raised up, raised up to new life, to be able to follow after God. Now, here, here's what was happening. They, they were dedicating their lives to God, and, and thousands of people were coming. And here's the interesting thing, I think, too, with John so he's preaching this message, and he's not like 
in downtown Jerusalem where there are tens of thousands of people. He's doing it out in the wilderness, and the word is spreading, and thousands and thousands of people are coming out to him, and they are repenting. They're in tears because of the way that they've turned their back on God and others, and they are being baptized. It's a sign of a changed heart, a changed desire. But as sincere as they were, They didn't have the power in and of themselves to live a life that was going to be holy and pleasing to God. They just didn't have the power to do that. As much as they wanted to live a life that was pleasing to God, that was free from sin, willpower was not enough. Willpower was not enough. And that's a message for us too. I've heard it time and time again. You've probably heard it time again, time again, and you've probably felt it like you're just trying to be a better person, to do the right thing, to live a life that's pleasing to God, and you're doing it in your own power. And guess what happens when you do that? No matter how great your intentions are, you will fail. You will fail. Every one of those people failed. They all failed. We even see that, that the apostles those disciples, men like Peter, well-intentioned, committed, they all failed. Willpower is not enough. Willpower is not enough. See, what, what Jesus was saying is you need to wait. You need to wait for a different power, from, for a higher power. They needed to be immersed, and they needed to be overwhelmed with the power of God with the power of God. That's the power that they needed to wait upon. See, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you can really carry out the Great Commission. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you can keep those commands. It's only through that power, that holy, eternal power. See, the newly ordained apostles, they, they probably could have done some, some really good things They could have gone out and and maybe impacted some lives, but it would not have been lasting. It would have been very short-lived. See, they would not, no matter what they did, it would not have endured the test of time. In order to produce eternal results, eternal power is required. In order to produce eternal results, eternal power is required. You cannot do that in and of yourself. You need God's power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to produce anything that is going to last forever. So critical to understand that. So let's consider um, Peter again, because he's, he's my favorite. You know, I just relate so well to him. And, and I, again, I get that pictured and they're in the room and Sandman is, is going, you know, and you know, they're all pumped up and they're jumping up and down. And he is ready to go. And I, and I really believe he would have busted through that door and taken to the streets of Jerusalem. I, I can picture him accosting people, like grabbing them and be like, you know, Jesus loves you. Do you know that just 40 days earlier, he died on the cross in your place to take the penalty of your sin upon himself? That, that he rose on the third day so that you could be reunited with your heavenly father. Do you know that? Do you know that? You need to repent of your sin and turn to him. And I could just see him, and people are probably like freaking out. Like, 
I don't know what to make of this guy. He, he's a little over the top. And then uh, I sense that there are probably a few that would be responsive, and, and maybe he would have had an impact on their lives. But guess what? It wouldn't have lasted because it would have been in his power that he was doing it. And even though he was speaking the truth and he was passionate about it, if it was done in his own power, it would not last. It had to be the power of the Holy Spirit because in order to have eternal results, you have to have eternal power. And up to that point, he didn't have the Holy Spirit living within him. That's why Jesus said, wait. I know you're ready to go. I appreciate that so much. But just, just wait. Wait a few more days for the promise. The promise that I've been telling you about for years. Just wait. And um, I want you to consider, I don't know if you've, you've read the rest of the story, but this is actually one time when Peter and the disciples listened and they obeyed. They listened and they obeyed and they waited until day 50. And on day 50, the Holy Spirit came upon them in such a powerful, miraculous way and it forever changed them. And then all of a sudden, God opened up the door and said, take to the streets of Jerusalem. And they went out and people thought they were drunk. They, they thought these dudes were out of their minds. They didn't know what to make of them. I mean, they were, they were so on fire and, and really like a literal sense. They said like looked like flames coming off the top of their heads. And people didn't know what to do with them. And, and then the Holy Spirit just prompted Peter to stand up. And uh, he began to give what we know as his first sermon. And he spoke about all, all these things that we've been talking about and how people needed to turn to God. And then this is what happened. This is so powerful. Listen to Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you, listen to this, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that they had been waiting for, that they had been promised. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. So that's you and me. We're the ones that were far off that were in view during that time. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. I believe that's the call today. We are living in a corrupt generation that is completely against God and his ways. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized. And about 3,000, 3,000 were added to their number that day. Only God can bring about a change like that. No matter how passionate Peter was, no matter how much truth he had to share, it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit that that many people's lives could be touched and changed. 3,000. Peter, probably in his own strength, I'm guessing over 10 days, could have impacted a number of people's lives. 
but nowhere near 3,000, all in one shot. And those people began a movement, a movement of transforming the world forever, forever. See, that was why um, God was saying, wait. He was saying, wait. God was all about starting a movement, not a moment. There's a difference between a movement which lasts and lasts and lasts and a moment and a moment. He wanted to start a movement that would forever change the world. Now, let me say this. I don't want to downplay moments. Moments are significant for us. They can be incredibly meaningful. It reminds me of that moment when um, the James Madison University Dukes went to Lane Stadium (laughs) to play football against the Hokies, and despite Enter Sandman beat the Hokies, um, but that was just a moment, right? And for you Hokie fans, I just want to encourage you. It was a moment. It wasn't a movement, you know, so there's still hope. So, but God was all about starting a movement, a movement. And he invited all those people on the streets of Jerusalem into this movement. And when they received the Holy Spirit, they had the power to carry out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We've been invited into that same movement. If you look throughout history, over, over the last 2,000 years, governments and individuals have been trying to squash this movement, to extinguish the fire of this movement. And no matter what they have tried, they have failed. Do you know why? Because you cannot overcome the power of God. When God gives power, there is no denying it. There is no stopping it. No matter how hard people try, no matter how focused governments are against it, it still will survive. They cannot stop the movement of God. And that's what he has invited us into. And when we receive the Holy Spirit and his power, it's not just that God was with us, but now God is in us. If you think about it, it would have been pretty neat to walk in the same footsteps of Jesus, in the days of Jesus, wouldn't it? To, to be in his midst, God with us. I think we live in a better time. I honestly am so thankful I did not live during that time. I'm so thankful I live right now during this time because we live in a time not God with us, but God in in us. I think as awesome as it would have been to walk with Jesus, we are so much more blessed and benefited by the fact that now it's God in us. When you fully surrender your life to Jesus, we're told his Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. It's no longer God with us, it's God in us. And with him comes all that power eternal power. We now have the power of God with us every moment of every day. The question is, will we avail ourselves to him and to his power? Will we listen to him? Will we allow him to guide our steps? Will we actually obey him? 
Will we be disciples who make disciples through the power that he provides? That's the question. And another question that I want to leave you with and, and challenge you with is simply this. Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, that phrase is somewhat loaded. Um, Depending on who you talk to, that may mean different things. I'm not looking to open up that can right now, all right? That is not my focus. I don't want to get into a debate over what baptism of the Holy Spirit is. This is is what I want us to focus on. Have you experienced the Holy Spirit opening up your mind so that when you open up the Bible— You open up the scriptures, all of a sudden, they come alive to you. They begin to make sense to you. They begin to speak to your very life, what you're dealing with right here and right now. Has the Holy Spirit done that for you, or is it just like opening up another book and it doesn't make a lot of sense, maybe? Or how about this? Has the Holy Spirit cut you to the heart to where you've discovered the truth of God, that he loves you so incredibly much, and it's led you to truly repent of your sin and to turn back to God. Have you experienced that? Only the Holy Spirit can cut you to the heart. There's no amount of knowledge that you can receive that can do that. It's got to be a movement of the Holy Spirit Let me ask you another question. Have you experienced a sense of God's presence in your life? Only you can answer this. Have you experienced a sense of God's presence in your life? Not that God is with you, but that God is truly in you. Have you experienced that presence? And then finally, have you experienced the ability to speak the word of God to others in a way that they can understand it and respond to it? Have you experienced that kind of power? If you can say yes, then then let me ask you this question. Have you availed yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit to the point that you truly are a disciple who's making disciples? If you can say yes to that, then I want to encourage you. Contact me, call me, email me, meet with me. We want to start making some little video clips of these different encounters where the Holy Spirit is moving and touching people's lives through us. And we want to begin to share those with others because there's great encouragement when you hear those stories. When you hear how God has used somebody else to impact somebody else's life, that is life-changing. And so we want to get that message out more and more and more. We want to begin pretty much every service by just sharing a little clip of how God's doing that in our midst. So if that's happened with you, let us know. Um, and then if the answer to those questions is no, then I don't want you to be discouraged. I think today is the day that all that changes. You know, I'm convinced that God wants you to receive his spirit and the power that he has for you. And I'm afraid a lot of us have been filling our heads with knowledge. We've been attending church services, and we have never received the Holy Spirit. We've never truly had our hearts 
you know, just cut open wide to receive his love, his forgiveness, and his power. And so I, I want us to do this right now. I, I want us to pray and with expectant prayer. This is not going to be like your, your typical prayer where we just recite something that is sort of mindless. No, I want us to pray together and then specifically individually. If you want to experience the Holy Spirit's power and presence in your life, Pray with me, and let's just ask God to do that for us, because I can't do it for you. No matter how passionate I am, how convinced I am that each and every one of us needs this, I cannot do it in my own power, and you can't manifest it in your own power either. It has to be a work of God, the Holy Spirit in you. So, anybody want to pray? Anybody want more of the Holy Spirit? Anybody ready? Because things can get crazy. I'm telling you, like really crazy. I mean, those disciples, they hit the streets and people were like, they're drunk. I mean, they are out of their mind. I don't know what the Holy Spirit might do in your life, but I want it, even though it may be terrifying, right? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come in the name of Jesus Christ. We, we ask you to come. We, we recognize that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. We recognize that. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you can open up our minds to see the truth, that you can open up the scriptures for us to understand it personally, no matter where we are, no matter what level of education we've had. Holy Spirit, do that. Open up our minds right now. Holy Spirit, cut us deep that we would recognize the truth of your love and that we would truly repent, that we would turn to you and give us the power to live a holy life for you. It's not about behavior modification. It's about power. Holy Spirit, bring your power. If you want this, I just pray that you just ask God right now, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. Give me your Holy Spirit. Speak it out. If you want it, just ask for it. Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. Give me your Holy Spirit. We, if we ask, Jesus said, if you will just ask, I will give it. If you knock, I'm going to open up the door. If you seek, you will find. I want to give you this promise from God the Father, the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Trinity, all the power that comes with it. This is something that we all desperately need. We cannot manufacture it. Holy Spirit, I pray, come. Come like never before. Come into our lives like never before. Come into some of these people's lives like they've never experienced before. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. We pray it all in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.